Hello students, today I'll talk about the poem Lady of Charlotte by Tennyson. Uh, actually, it was written in 1832. It got published in 1842. And according to some critics, the poem is based on the episode in Arthurian legend of Elaine of Astolot or the maid of Astolot who died because of her unrequited love for the famous knight, Lancelot. And Tennyson was quite uh, uh, busy with these Arthurian legends because, you know, that his uh, uh, preoccupation with Arthurian legend can be seen in Idylls of the King also. And uh, Tennyson complicated the origins of his poem by claiming his source uh, as the Italian romance, Donna di Scalotta. So, uh, it could be true, but we cannot ignore the Arthurian components of Camelot, Lancelot, Knights, Ladies, and even the name Charlotte, which sounds somewhat like Astolot. Okay, so uh, I'll again repeat, uh, critics believe that uh, Lady of Charlotte is based on Arthurian legend of Elaine of Astolot, A-S-T-A-L-O-T, or the maid of Astolot, A-S-T-A-L-O-T. So, uh, and uh, Tennyson claimed that his source was Donna di Scalotta. Donna di Scalotta is D-O-N-N-A-D-I-S-C-A-L-O-T-T-A. D-O-N-N-A-D-I-S-C-A-L-O-T-T-A. Okay. So, in part one, readers see the Isle of Charlotte with its tall towers and imprisoned fairy-like lady. And the interior where she is confined is silent, immovable, whereas the world outside is humming along in a busy and cheerful way. And the great city of Camelot is placed by the river. So it emphasizes the progress, you know, the purposefulness and uh, always moving and vitality of men and women outside of the tower. In contrast to Lady of Charlotte, who is, um, you know, confined in the tower because of some cars and she cannot move about. She is not exposed to the world. And the fact that there exists a connection between the inhabitants of Camelot and the lady, but it is mysterious and magical. And it also emphasizes the distinction between the realms of the external world and the tower. In part two, uh, readers are introduced to the lady herself and you know she is under the spell of a mysterious curse that doesn't allow her to look out of her window and she seems happy because she is not aware of what exactly is happening outside. So she is happy in her innocence mind you and she spends her days weaving her magic web and singing and there is an allusion to Odysseus' wife Penelope who weaves while her husband is away and other myths that involve a woman's weaving. So her web, a symbol of artistic fecundity, uh, is also her enslavement, uh, which depicts the world outside, but only as reflected in her mirror. So she can see the outside world only in her mirror and she is weaving a magical web. She sees knights and pages, boys, girls, and sometimes she sees the two great events of earthly life. You know, she can see funerals and weddings. And this is very symbolic because she will die herself later on and she will never be married. So a women's life which is confined only uh, or a women's life which is confined only for her uh, for in only in marriage or death. You know, a woman's role is only uh, as a wife or as a martyr. So uh, she sees these funerals and weddings in her mirror. And these state of affairs is what causes her to assert her identity by claiming that she is sick of shadows. 
you know she, when she sees lancelot she falls in love and she feels that she's sick of shadows and she doesn't want her life to be paralyzed or stagnant anymore and uh, she feels a sense of loss and exclusion so she wants to go out so the domestic dilemma of every woman a victorian women who were confined in their homes who were just good wives good mothers good daughters and who were not exposed to the outside world but what happened when they crossed the lakshman rekha when they went to the outside world did the outside world welcome them or did they die is women's role only confined in her home can women not move out into the world what exactly is tennyson trying to say in the poem okay in part 3 the handsome and courageous sir lancelot is introduced uh the language is very sensual heroic and lady of charlotte is so so captivated by his presence you know she's in love with him she breaks the stipulation in the curse and she looks out of the window and she sees him and some critics have noted that it's the song of lancelot tira lia lira that breaks down the lady's resistance for song is one of her means of expression too she feels an intense connection with the man below tira lira uh, although tira lira is a bawdy song is a vulgar song from shakespeare's winter's tale so uh, once the mirror cracks she wants to go out now so the mirror cracks the web flutters out the window and she knows that she is doomed now So finally in part 4 when she lets the river carry her Tennyson emphasizes the disruption of the lady's being uh, through scenes of chaotic and mournful nature now the nature is very chaotic you know the nature is also in a way saying that if a woman crosses a lakshman rekha there storm outside women will fall into peril so the wind is stormy the pale yellow woods were waning the low sky was raining heavily the banks of the river straining So the inhabitants of Camelot are frightened and curious as they hear her last song and see her pale shape. You know she's moving in a boat and she's singing her last song. The poem ends with Lancelot looking down at her and commenting that she has a lovely face and that he hopes God will lend her grace. So this is the comment by Lancelot with whom she had fallen in love and he is very impassive he's very indifferent and somehow Tennyson is trying to say that you know men are indifferent to what happens to women or uh, the so called love which they profess for women is not at all um subjugated to duty for men duty is the foremost thing the first priority and women or the home is the second priority one might compare the famous death of hamlet's sister ophelia and other scenes where a woman dies in a river or ocean so um most critics actually approach the poem as expressing the tensions between art and life you know it raises the question of whether or not artistic seclusion is necessary for achievement poets used to be in their divine towers but what happened when they had to write realism or when they had to create realism can they really live in their uh, divine towers in the beginning of the poem despite her isolation lady of charlotte does experience artistic fulfillment and accomplishment in a safe heaven of charlotte she works in her, on her web she sings her song she's blissful happy in her innocence but however her art is doubly removed you know it mimics the shadows glimpsed through a mirror and is far from direct observation of real life so this isolation prompts her to a gesture of passion and embrace of her own death she wants to experience life first hand she's sick of experiencing life second hand 
so what happens then the mirror cracks and it symbolizes the end of her artistic abilities harold bloom has concluded that the end of artistic isolation can lead to death of creativity an artist if he gets too much into reality then he will not be able to create a true art an artist needs to be in his divine tower so only then he can create a true art according to harold bloom so artist intense loneliness is absolutely necessary for all art great art demands solitude and silent reflection uh there's another critic called flabia L, uh, m alia and she says that this lady is placed in an uh, eponymously named boat which is an extension of herself and tennyson is, suge- is suggesting through this lonely scene that an eventual loneliness is the one element of the artistic condition that cannot be revoked even by love so she interprets lancelot's last words commonly perceived as callously and regrettably uh, ironic as redemptive lancelot who earlier had provided the symbolic type of cosmic love and human sympathy is the only knight to express the mystery of her presence in language we find so curiously appropriate um he recognizes her beauty he provides the benediction god bless her and all which her act of renunciation and egoism have sought and required so lancelot's lance sorry lancelot's gesture uh and saying amen amen and all that so what exactly does uh, it prove uh this is these are the questions which are raised by the poems themselves uh, these are the question which is raised by the poem itself okay well a little bit of critical summary of the poem also is required so let me tell you uh in part 1 the poem begins with description of a river okay and there is a road that is passing through through long fields of barley and rye and before that road reaches to the town of camelot um the people of the town they travel along the road and they look toward an island called shallot which lies further down the river uh the island of shallot it contains several plants it has flowers you know uh, it has aspens willows and on the island a woman known as lady of shallot is imprisoned within a building made of four gray walls and four gray towers so both heavy barges that means heavy ships and light open boats sail along the edge of the river to camelot but has anyone seen or heard of the lady who lives on the island in the river that is the narrator asks and he says that only the reapers who harvest the barley they hear the echo of her singing at night uh, the tired reaper can listen to her singing and he whispers it is the fairy lady of shallot uh, in part 2 we can see lady of shallot from inside she weaves the magic colorful web and she has heard a voice whisper that a curse will befall her if she looks down to camelot and she doesn't know what this curse would be so she concentrates only on her weaving and never lifting her eyes but as she weaves the mirror hangs before her and in the mirror she can see shadows of the world what is happening outside the castle she can see including the highway road which also passes through the fields uh, the tides in the river the peasants of the town she can see all this in the mirror and she also sees a group of damsels and she can see an abbot church official she can see a young shepherd or a page a court page dressed in crimson she sometimes can see pair of knights riding by although she doesn't have any loyal knight to court her so this is what is her misery is she enjoys her solitary weaving and but she is also frustrated with the shadows and when she glimpses a funeral procession or pair of newly weds in the mirror she sometimes feels that you know she is not experiencing life through this second hand experience of the mirror in part 3 uh, a knight in brass armor that is lancelot 
he comes riding through the fields of barley beside charlotte the sun shines on his armor the whole description is given about lancelot and his and his armor the sun shines on his armor and it makes it sparkle as he rides the gems on his horse's bridle glitter like a constellation of stars and bells on the bridle ring the knight hangs a bugle from his sash you know some uh, something to announce and then his armor makes ringing noises as he gallops alongside the remote island of charlotte and in the blue unclouded weather the jewels on the knight's saddle shine making him look like a meteor in the purple sky so lots of good descriptions are given there uh, very much embellished descriptions are given there his forehead glows in the sunlight his black curly hair flows out from his helmet as he passes by the river he's the complete knight in shining armor okay his image flashes into the lady of charlotte's mirror she sees his image in the mirror and he sings out tira tira upon seeing and hearing this uh, night she stops weaving her web she abandons her loom she is in love the web flies out from the loom and the mirror cracks and she and the lady announces the arrival of her doom the curse has come upon me so she realizes that she is in love she has crossed her lakshman rekha and she was not supposed to fall in love and she was not supposed to look out of the window she was only supposed to look into the mirror now when she has done this she is right now cursed she has to die anyways So in part 4 as the sky breaks out in rain and storm lady of shallot she comes out of her tower and she finds a boat she writes the word lady of shallot around the boat's uh, bow and looks downstream to camlot like a prophet forcing his own misfortune so she writes lady of shallot she wants her identity to be there she wants people to know that she was present she was there in the evening she lies down in the boat and the stream carries her to camlot so she wears a snowy white robe you know white color is of peace and it's of death or it's a virginity or purity also she sings her last song as she sails down to camelot she sings until her blood freezes you know her eyes darken and she dies so she dies and when her boat sails silently into camelot all the knights lords ladies they all emerge from their halls to see and they read her name on the bow and cross themselves for fear but lancelot is there and he's bold enough to push aside the crowd and he looks closely at the dead maiden and he says she has a lovely face god in his mercy lend her grace so he says god bless her let let her soul rest in peace he he had no idea that this girl died for him because of him she because she fell in love with him he has no idea he acts like a perfect knight who has his duty to perform and he says she has a beautiful face alas she died you know young you know she maybe she had a potential but she died young so uh, th- this is a small summary brief summary of the poem uh, and as i've already told you this poem was written in 1832 it was published in 1842 and uh, uh, i have already told you uh, the sources the maid of astolat in melodies morte de arthur is the source and although the poems definitely the charm of the poems comes from its sense of mystery and there is an elusiveness and uh, uh, definitely the theme is the conflict between art and life the lady who weaves her magic web sings her song can be seen to represent the contemplative artist isolated from the daily life and the moment she sets her art aside to gaze down when she faces the reality curse befalls her and she dies um so the poem captures the conflict between artist's desire for social involvement and his or her doubts about whether such a commitment is viable for someone dedicated to art 
it also it might reflect a personal dilemma of Tennyson being a specific artist you know he always wanted to seek a subject which was outside his experience his milieu but he could not because he somehow had to comment on politics history or humanity and he did not wanted to destroy his poet poetry's magic so it was very difficult for him to balance the reality and the artist's uh, uh, talent in that sense you know a artist who wants to create a fantasy also so the, so there he had to create this balance between reality and fantasy um part 1 and 4 of this poem they deal with lady of shallad as she appears to the outside world whereas part 2 and 3 they describe the world from the lady's perspective so uh you know we are not told how she spends her time or what she thinks about so uh, definitely there are references to the condition of the victorian women too who are not being paid attention to and even if they are artists even if they are have talent then they are never considered worthy of that talent you know their only role is of a perfect mother daughter wife sister and if they cross out of that lakshman rekha if they just try to do something different then they die then they have to be a martyr so uh, lady of shallots death is indicative of that you know that the moment she seeks to uh, you know explore life outside the moment the moment she wants to seek a subjectivity outside of her uh, domestic sphere or the tower sphere she dies and then the casual remark of lancelot the indifferent remark of lancelot does talk about patriarchy although she writes her name lady of shallot on the bow of the boat and she tries to establish her identity she wants to tell people that you know she was there she was a presence still lancelot only can just glimpse on her face and you know he says she was pretty god bless her so the way lancelot uh, says these statements you know somehow it feels as if artificial it doesn't feel like that he's actually symp- sympathizing with the women he's not sympathizing with the women he's more like saying it in a very duty bound manner so yeah that's all for today uh, class you read the poem uh, people you uh, you know you read the notes which i've given you and you listen to this podcast also and if you have any queries uh, students please get back to me and till next time then take care okay bye